It's time for the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Michael is a speaker, author of two best-selling books, and the president of three financial companies. He's also a frequent guest on national media outlets such as CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg. His passion is to help you live well in retirement. This is the Wealth and Health Show. Well, welcome in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. And again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined today with a special guest, Mike Gonzalez. He is the CEO and founder of Perfect, a company that does a lot of different things in the technology field. We're going to get into talking about that. And if you've just joined us for the first time this week listening to the show, obviously, a lot of times the guests that we have talking about wealth and health typically include folks who are high-level performers, different entrepreneurs, those who have really mastered their craft. C-level executives, leaders in the coaching field from not only America, but around the world, as well as doctors and holistic experts from all over the world. So we want to cover not only the wealth, but also the health side of life. Because folks, you know, at the end of the day, if we've worked hard and you've created some new and inventive ideas uh, that has really produced a lot of wealth for you, what does it really matter if you don't have your health. So that's why we want to cut, talk about both sides of life. And we're excited to be joined today by, again, the, the name of the company is Perfect, uh, kind of kind of a cool name. He is the CEO and founder of Mike Gonzalez. Mike, thanks for joining us in studio today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. And we're going to talk about Mike's history in, initially. And uh, he's got really a phenomenal story. He was doing interface design at age 16. A lot of you may say, what the heck is interface design? He's actually homeschooled, which is kind of a neat story kind of self-taught business guy, kind of a, a little claim to fame. He actually was offered his first job for Apple, right? From That's Apple. Right. We've yeah. all heard of Apple, Steve Jobs and that story at age 16. And of course, a lot of young people at age 16 would be chomping at the bit to get that job, but he actually turned it down. He I felt did. that he had a, a greater story to tell. Now he's several years later. So tell us a little bit about kind of what started you. Obviously, you started all the way back at homeschool because right. you know a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this are uh, high-level performers and entrepreneurs, but you know they're looking at uh, maybe they've they're in the process of still raising their kids current, or maybe they have grandkids that they can give advice. You know, and they look at a story like you and they say, okay, what kind of gave you some of the passion to what led you to where you are today? Can, well, tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a, a very large family. My parents were, were passionate about just really supplying their children mm. with the resources that they needed to mm. to learn. And so one of the things that I, I really loved was that my father, who also was a, an entrepreneur, uh, and my mother, who was a stay-at-home mom and a teacher, actually decided when I was 12 to give me a computer. And uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you might think that's a little dangerous there, but uh, they gave me a computer and said, mm -hmm. hey, play with this, see what you can do. And they also gave me a program called Corel Draw, which was the, the industry standard 20 years ago. Okay. And so at that time... I would actually start drawing and, and designing on a computer, and I would get magazines that came in the mail. The magazines were sales ads for mm -hmm. Dell products or Compaq or HP, and so with that, I would actually start drawing a lot of the artwork I would see or the, the, the actual product materials that I would see in those magazines. And when you say drawing, you're talking about doing it, utilizing a computer program. Right, so illustrations. Yeah, so it's not necessarily... Because a lot of people, or myself included, would be considered novices mm -hmm. in the computer world, you know. And I think even a lot of people that are out there listening to this, unless they're specifically in the technology field, you know, it's kind of like, what does that mean? You know, right, so you're right. actually, you're not on pen and paper. I'm using a mouse. Yeah. 
and a trackpad. Okay. And I'm literally drawing squares and circles, connecting dots that end up looking like photorealistic illustrations. And this is not the mouse, folks, that you're trying to catch in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I think we all know that by now, but it's just kind of interesting. Right. Okay, so yeah, you're no, using so, so from all computer-generated. All computer-generated artwork, yep. and my parents would come by... Uh, and say, wow, you know, did you create that? Or did mm. you download that online? And I, I drew this. Mm. And so that just kind of uh, instilled uh, just an interest to kind of go a little further and really, really start understanding design and, and principles within design. And so I would uh, look up uh, a lot of great artists who were designers mm. uh, who worked at uh, various companies. I would study software. Mm. So at the time, I was a, a very huge Microsoft Windows fan. And within that, I uh, would just study all of the software and look closely to something called icons. Hmm. And icons are those little symbols that represent actions. So mm -hmm. if you remember in, in, let's say, Microsoft Word, you see a little disk, and uh, it's, it's best known for uh, the save command. You, mm -hmm. you don't want to lose your work, right? Mm -hmm. Someone had to draw that. And so hmm. I ended up uh, setting out to start drawing little symbols for software. Okay. And that just became, uh, I would say, an, uh, an obsession and a passion. <laughs> and fast forward a couple of years later, I was probably 14 or so. Hmm. And uh, my parents had got a... Uh, We're pretty old by now. Very seasoned in the field. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my parents had just gotten a uh, broadband connection in their mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. And so now that opened up a whole new world of being online instead so they of sharing. Just, so they just turned the internet on. Right. For, those of, for those folks that maybe are listening to this, you know, they're like, what's broadband? So most yeah. people know what that is. Yeah, but just the case. internet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back, at, back when I was uh, in middle school, I used something called dial-up. Yeah. Remember, you, couldn't, <laughs> you could not make a phone call if you were on the internet at the time. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, so we have a faster internet connection. Mm -hmm. And I began to just start researching and just discovering what was out there mm. on the internet when it came to high quality design mm -hmm. because after creating a lot of these photorealistic illustrations i wanted to share that work with others mm. and also collaborate and just see what's out there so in parallel with that i actually discovered a store called comp usa at the time mm -hmm. that was a it's the equivalent of best buy i would say today mm -hmm. where you could go in and, and buy electronics and things of that nature so while I was at, uh, homeschooled and in parallel, I would uh, repair computers on mm. the side. Is that right? And so I had a little side. And your parents were just like, hey, go to it, right? Yeah, because what happened was my father's in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And so very often uh, he would have older computers that needed repair. And mm. sometimes I would actually watch him repair those computers and learn a lot from him. And mm. he was a great inspiration. But that led into just more interest in how those things worked, hmm. how uh, graphics and elements were displayed on the screen. So I began to just look and really expose myself to all sides of technology. You know, it's amazing to me, Mike, because I this one of the things that I really enjoy, you know, not to pick this out specifically, but, you know, you hear so many cases, and I'll talk about the idea of homeschooling for a minute, out there in the country that are not necessarily great. But yours was a phenomenal case because I think one of the things that we saw is your parents Obviously, that led has led to a lot of your success today as being the, the owner of a company that's thriving. And, and we'll talk later about a lot of the big institutions like Microsoft and Apple and, and all these other companies that you guys have done work for. They've sought you out, which is phenomenal. But, you know, I think a lot of that has led from, you know, your parents having the insight to pay attention enough to you and your needs to okay. know... So probably as a pivotal point at 12, them giving you that computer, that's them paying attention. And by the way, folks, if you're listening to this and you have any questions or thoughts as we move along, feel free to join the conversation. Reach out to us on Twitter at Lean on the Wall, again, at Lean on the Wall. 
and send us your thoughts on, on what we're discussing, uh, you know, what you've seen in children that kind of has caused them to be ultra successful. And as we continue, Mike, in your story, so 12, you got your first computer. 12, I got my first computer. 14, you're, you're kind of understanding some more things now. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned about CompUSA. Is it yeah, there was us? a store called CompUSA. And one thing that was very interesting about that store was that they combined both the Apple products mm. and the Microsoft products in one space. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was an, a showroom in that place that had the iMac. And if, for those of you who remember the one of the very first models of the iMac that looked like a um, had a little screen, a little container in the bottom, and it, there was a commercial where uh, someone was walking by the iMac and the CD-ROM ejects, and it looks like he's sticking his tongue out at the individual. <laughs> so it was kind of a funny, <laughs> funny uh, commercial, but it was one yeah. of their flagship uh, models. Mm. That caught my eye mm. because it was beautiful, mm-hmm. and it was designed very, very well. And then I began to start looking at the folks at Apple and how they began to design and mm. the principles that really drove what they did. Because if you were to compare to everyone else, uh, Apple stood out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it wasn't just something uh, to to differentiate themselves, but it was really because it was uh, useful and mm-hmm. it was very easy to use. Mm. So I began to just look more closely at that. I would say between the ages of 15 and, and uh, 16, I began to start practicing some of the principles that I discovered in their design work. So tell us a little bit about, so we moved on now, and, and obviously uh, you founded Perfect doing interface design mm-hmm. at the age of 16, all that. Uh, w- when did you actually f- start your company, per se? Yeah, so when I was 16, I actually started the company. I wow. What I did was I met a group of people online mm-hmm. by customizing and sharing my artwork. Okay. And so what I would create was software icons, again, those symbols that represent actions mm-hmm. in programs, and I would give them away online for free. Hmm. And through that, it would actually create a conversation in the community, in the design community. There's a website called, uh, I think it was aquasoft.org uh, back in the day, <laughs> and uh, it's no longer up. But yeah. uh, at that time, it had a community of entrepreneurs, designers, hmm. creatives. And they were always just critiquing and, and challenging one another with what they did. Hmm. And so what I would do is I would create artwork and, and distribute it online. Hmm. And uh, the conversation of people asking for logos and branding and entrepreneurs who are creating uh, different products. I remember we, we worked on a product of a guy who was working on a, a metronome program. And it allowed you to basically set the tempo of your music, right? Huh. And so we designed artwork for that. And I remember it was just a, a side project that he had. And he reached out to me on that forum and said, hey, would you be interested in designing for my software? And so little projects like that would huh. come up every once in a while. And, and be, before you knew it, we had some work that we should be, we could have shared with the community. So, And we're going to continue on that note. It's a really interesting story. We're going to move, though. You're not going to want to miss it, folks. Uh, next couple of seconds, we're going to talk about the idea of steps to removing anxiety from technology, also some case studies that Mike's seen, and, and why it's important to really make technology simple. You know, sometimes it can feel complex, but it doesn't have to be. So we're going to discuss what that looks like to simplify things. You know, we all use technology in our life, and it's, it's here. Whether you like it or you, whether you embrace it or not, I know sometimes, you know, we have Little things, uh, even before we did the show, we had a little, even a little technology glitch, so to speak. We had to fix, uh, had some folks and that sort of thing. But the point is, it's here, it's in our lives. We need to make sure that we use it and how to use it simply. We're going to talk about that. You're not going to want to miss it. So hang around. We'll be back right after this. Hey folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. 
As an active member of Christ's Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities, and it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Well, welcome back in, folks, to The Wealth and Health Show. And again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined today with the CEO and founder of Perfect. It's always kind of an interesting name for me to say. <laughs> Just real simple. But the CEO and founder of Perfect, Mike Gonzalez is his name. A real interesting story. We're talking through what that looks like. He actually turned down a uh, job opportunity from Apple. Everybody's heard of Apple. Turned down that opportunity at age 16, and since then, his company has really done some phenomenal things. Perfect has a team of about 16, working remotely, spread all over, really all over the U.S. and the world, even folks in the United Kingdom and Germany. In the last 10 years, Perfect, Mike's company, has really served hundreds of companies in over 13 countries and over 70 regions. It's amazing some of the things that they've been able to do. And of course, the vision that you had when you were young. And so we were talking a little bit more about that. What would you say would be some of the things, Mike, that has caused some of the radical growth that you've seen as far as working with larger companies? So let's kind of put parameters around that first and foremost. Who do you actually work with as a company? What, what is a, a, the right fit for you guys as far as what you've seen? We want to kind of create that dynamic because we're going to talk about a little bit later ways to remove anxiety with technology. And so those that are listening out there that kind of this applies to, we want to kind of put the parameters around who those folks are. So at this stage in the game, you started out small, you right. started out just sending designs out, mm -hmm. got some opportunities from Apple twice, turned them down twice, decided right. you wanted to go your own route. And now that you've continued to evolve and work with hundreds of companies over the place, what does the clientele that you're currently working with look like? Yeah. So we work with a wide range of uh, different organizations and companies of all sizes. We primarily focus on the medium and large organizations that have a customer base that either uses their products. And what I mean by products, it could be anything as simple as a, an app, a website, or even something that people don't really necessarily realize is a product. If you think about an ATM at a bank mm. or uh, an iPad app to you know, document uh, their activities. So we work with uh, a lot of companies that focus on providing consumer products or enterprise products, and we help them improve their products. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we do concentrates on providing uh, an experience that's seamless for their end users. Very often, we'll work with organizations that are improving the technology within their organization. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not necessarily have a technology product or something that they would consider you know, digital, if you will. But they do have uh, technology that their employees work with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we like to uh, really look at and concentrate on is how can we make that job, that step, that process mm -hmm. uh, easier for those who work on it on a regular basis? And if we can improve that, 
simplifying the process. Simplifying the process. Yeah, that that's huge. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about end user experience, because I want to move into not quite yet, but in, in just a minute or two, four steps. We're going to start to talk about that as far as using technology and reducing anxiety and in, in, mm-hmm. in the use of it. And by the way, folks, again, if you're listening out there and if you've had anxiety with technology, reach out to us and share your thoughts at Lean on the Walls, a Twitter handle at Lean on the Wall. If you missed the first segment in the introduction of Mike's story, don't, you're not going to want to miss that. Feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. Again, leanonthewall.com, and you can go there and click on the Wealth and Health Show and listen to the first segment of the show and any parts that you've missed or any previous shows. But Mike, share with us a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, we see a lot of how technology has changed things, but you've had a lot of experience and a lot of history in the, in the industry. Share with us and the listeners maybe a case study or two of some of the things that you've seen how you've been able to take a company from kind of step one to step two, all the way to step 10, if you will, mm-hmm. and what that actually looks like as you go through success in the, in the technology industry. Yeah, no, thanks. So there are many instances where we're asked by organizations to say, hey, Mike, we see some of the work that you've done for some of the organizations that you've worked with. Can you help us execute something that is bar none, mm-hmm. right? And so what we'd like to do is first start with, hey, let's get a conversation on what's happening in the business today you know more about your own business than why do you, right? Mm. We want to understand, basically put us in your shoes. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? What are your goals? And where are you going? And so once we understand that, then we actually dive in deeper and conduct a workshop with the stakeholders who are involved in the execution and operation of that business. And we want to understand what are the problems that they're actually seeing today. Mm-hmm. And then we also do research on our part to understand what are the problems or areas that they may not be aware of that we can provide some value. And so within that, we actually will go through the process of observing how they conduct the service that they provide. Mm -hmm. And one example was that we worked with a retirement planning organization. They provide services to small businesses. And one of those things was retirement planning. Mm -hmm. And so they actually hire basically education specialists who come into the organization, organizations that sign up for their services. And they actually go in and and conduct a 45-minute session with typically 20 participants. And they explain hey, here's the value of retiring, you know, planning for your retirement. Mm-hmm. It's going to sneak this up. This is what we yeah. do. This, this is, is what we you, do. This is how it works. how you can sign up. And so they, they go yeah. through all of that process. And one of the things that we did was when we were conducting our research, we actually deployed individuals to sit in on those meetings hmm. and actually watch how users are responding to the presentation. So you're actually part of the conversation. Right. We're part of the conversation. And, and that's, you know, just folks, I just want to let you know, I thought this was kind of unique in the process. You know, Mike shared it before. We've talked about some things. But, you know, they're actually there. You're physically there. We're physically there. Because that matters. You know, 65% of communication is body language, mm-hmm. right? So if you're just capturing data or you're just saying, hey, do me a favor and record those meetings or you know, hey, why don't you tell us what you say in the meetings? Mm-hmm. Let's do a mock meeting and you whatever. Well, now you don't have a real test because right. you don't have the actual people that are there that are true mm-hmm. potential clients, if you will, signing up. But for the fact that you're there, now it's more of a true read, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's huge. There are things that we can pick up because we're not in that business every day, right? Mm-hmm. That they may not recognize mm-hmm. because this is something that they see, they're common, they're used to it. So they, they may not look at that as a cue mm-hmm. uh, that's potentially triggering a pain point. So we want to uncover those things and document those things. So in that instance, we did that and we brought our findings back to the stakeholders and discussed, hey, here's some areas that we see that can be improved. Mm-hmm. Why don't we, in this instance, create an iPad app that actually provides material that's catered to the actual individual who's in that presentation. So the iPad app came specific from just the data that you collected and you right. felt that what that was going to be the most 
simple way or yeah, you know, what was the thinking? We felt that individuals were sitting in the, the meeting and it was hard to hold their attention for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to find a way where we can actually, one, save time, mm-hmm. allow them to be interactive and actually provide information along the way so that gradually they're already answering the questions yeah. that they would naturally get a form and have to then re-answer. So yeah. by creating the iPad app, we allowed them to actually answer questions specific to their retirement planning needs mm. as the presentation was going on. And mm-hmm. towards the end of the presentation, every individual simply had the option to say enroll or, or decline. Or not. You know, yeah. and it's kind of interesting as you share that. It reminds me of, you know, as we interact with clients, again, typically higher net worth clientele, as we sit down and meet with them and evaluate ourselves, mm-hmm. is this the right fit one to another for right. us to, you know, because really we're their CFO. Right. Them hiring us and we working with them, et cetera. But in that process, I'm asking them a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I call it taking their temperature. Right. You know, and from them answering about what are their goals, what's important to them, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. With me, I'm able to see their body language, kind of see what what's going on there. And it helps me better tailor for them specifically. Because obviously tailored clothes fit better than those just right off the rack, right? right? So that's what we're doing in the financial side. And it sounds like from a technology perspective, that's exactly what your company is going in and doing is you're really listening well and then tailoring. That's it what's best for the people that you're working with, right? That's it. So give us an example in in that case study. Give us a little bit of an example. What kind of time did you see was saved? What was kind of a little bit of end result? Yeah, so 45-minute session. You're explaining how the process works. Mm -hmm. Then they would actually have every individual fill out the answers on a piece of paper at the end. Well, we found that in the old process, individuals were not actually filling out the forms or losing the forms. They felt Mm -hmm. like it was too complicated and have time. Well, now with the new product that we created, We actually conducted some smaller sessions, and every individual in that room across, I think it was 10 different sessions that we conducted, actually completed the iPad enrollment process. Wow. And the reason why was because, one, it was exciting. It was engaging. Yeah. And we also provided tools to help them understand, hey, I can afford this. I can do this now. I'm actually losing money if I don't make that decision today. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we found that a high percentage, I believe it was increased by almost 30% mm, enrollment wow. simply because we actually saved time and removed the anxiety of, I don't know if I can afford to save for retirement. To do this or not. Yeah. So essentially you're in a situation where out of every 10 people, I mean, that's an additional three they were able to capture yes, yes. as far as new client, which is significant on top of the clients that they were already right. you know, capturing before. Mm-hmm. Now they're actually capturing a different thing, another 30%. So that's huge. And and I think a, a one last thought that I picked up on that that was kind of interesting, Mike, is you said about, you know, engaging. Technology can be fun, right? Yeah. So, you know, why not use the funness and the newness and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever of technology? I remember I went to a meeting one time. Now, this is just educational, but as I was doing research on a particular company that we were looking to potentially use for some non-traded investments and some different things. And you go, went to the meeting, this was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and they did just that. They had they gave everybody iPads. You know, the first thing that I thought of is, am I going to get to keep this? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, even though I don't know what it is, there's just something about mm-hmm. free and fun and new, right. and, you know, whatever it may be, even though you've had that. So they've used that. It was much more engaging and, mm-hmm. and all that. So using technology mattered. Well, we're out of time for this segment, but next segment, we're going to talk about the four steps to remove anxiety using technology. This is someone that everybody's going to be able to benefit from. You're not going to want to miss it, so hang around. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. 
That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351-866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. And again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined today again with Mike Gonzalez. Uh, he is Perfect CEO and Founder. And what is that? Perfect.com? What's your, what's your PerfectHQ.com. Perfect HQ. HQ stands for headquarters. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. So Perfect HQ headquarters, as in PerfectHQ.com. You can check out a little bit about Mike and his team. And we're talking about the idea of technology. And again, Mike's got a really neat story. If you're just joining us, he turned... Uh, Apple Down had an opportunity to work for Apple, uh, obviously a technology company that everybody is aware of with their watches and iPads and iPhones and iMacs and i everything. <laughs> <laughs> turned that job down at 16, turned it down again a year later, just felt that he was uh, called to do something uh, greater. And so consequently, he's now in a situation where he owns a company that has uh, about 16 people working with him from all over the world. Uh, and they've really worked with uh, folks in over 13 countries, 70 regions, and it's been a phenomenal story. So we wanted to take a few minutes here and just share the ideas of how to remove anxiety utilizing technology. And I know, Mike, you know, a lot of times for us, and I know we've heard this from other people and just a lot of companies, I think in general, sometimes I think technology can feel overwhelming. You know, we, we shared right. a little bit of a case study prior last segment. If you, so if you missed that, feel free to go to leanonthewall.com. Again, leanonthewall.com. Click on the Wealth and Health Show. And that'll take you to the opportunity where you can listen to the show, catch up on any uh, previous segments, et cetera. But one of the things that, you know, for me is you feel like there's so much technology coming at you mm -hmm. all the time. You know, it's almost like drinking from a, a fire hose. You right. know, you've heard that idea before. Yeah. And it really is the case. I mean, because, you know, you're in a place where, you know, there's this new app or there's new online place mm -hmm. where you can kind of connect, interact. You know, it used to be MySpace. And then it's Facebook, right? And then it's Instagram, yeah. And now it's Twitter, and now it's, I mean, you know, Google Hangout. I mean, it's just everywhere. Endless. Yeah. It's endless, and it's you know they're coming out all the time. Mm -hmm. All these new things, Snapchat, this. I mean, it's just yeah. you know, and a lot of times you get to the place where it's it's just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know a lot of times companies, I know ourselves included, but a lot of times companies, I'm sure in general, and folks in general, are in a place where they say, okay. How much of this do I really need to be on? Right. How much of this really matters? Mm -hmm. And and then not only that, how do you get this to work for you? You know, you heard the idea of social media, and it doesn't necessarily, folks. I think maybe Mike, you would obviously could speak to this. I don't know that you need to be on every social media medium. I think it's important to understand what matters to you, what matters to your clientele, and how can you best interact with them. Because I think what happens is, and you can speak to this, Mike, I'd like you to, I just want to, this is my thoughts on, on the subject here, but I think what happens is people get in a situation where they feel like this is the new trend, this is the new craze, oh, I got to get on that too. And then there's social media and their interaction and really their touch with their clients, you know, the end user mm -hmm. or prospective clients kind of becomes lost in the mix to some degree right. because they feel like they have to spend so much time on all these other things when maybe what they could do is spend time really building something out that actually works well for them and the clientele that they have. Have you seen that to be a little bit of a trend of people kind of being, you know, having that overload when it comes to, to media in general? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you were to look at 
just a hypothetical an organization, right, that may not necessarily have a customer base that's engaged in all mediums of social media, right? Let's say, for example, the culture of their customer base is focused on Twitter. Twitter yeah. is a very, very great engaging community for providing feedback. Mm. Uh, you'll notice that the the people that tend to be attracted to Twitter have an opinion, whether positive or negative. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of brands now mm. are using Twitter to really focus on customer sentiment. Mm. Now, sometimes the, the sentiment may be skewed one direction, positive or negative, based on what may have happened uh, in the media. But you're, we're finding that if you were to look at the tendencies of your customers uh, from how they're vocal about your brand, about their culture, how they use your product, um, you can really use social media in a way that that really engages and enhances your brand. Mm. Um, for example, a lot of clothing brands, right? They, they want to see individuals wearing your, your their clothes. Mm. And so if you look at some of the most uh, popular brands out there, they're actually encouraging individuals to take pictures with their clothes on, mm. maybe uh, make a hashtag and get other people looking at it and sharing it and, and one day asking, hey, where can I buy this? Mm. And so, I mean, there are great, good, good examples of how to use social media. But I would also say that with so many of them appearing every day, it's almost hard to figure out, well, which one's right for me and how do I figure out what's the right one to use? And they may not necessarily, from what I've just talking to you before, they may not necessarily be giving the company the best end user experience with the clients they have, right? right. I mean, it could be something where, you know, they're reaching out and connecting, but I think what you said, and this is where we're going to jump into the reducing anxiety, is, um, you know, your step one is identify the pain points. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times uh, people are out there and they're just kind of doing things with technology, right. but they, they haven't really spent the time to, they, they kind of want to join the circus, so to speak, yeah. but they haven't really spent the time to see how many tickets we've actually sold. Right, right. A good example of that would be, um, I'm, I'm often asked. Hey, uh, so we need a website because I know that websites are good. And I think we also need an app. And I think we need something to support our Apple Watch. And they just go on and on and the things that they feel like they need. And I, I want to take a step back and always say, well, let's stop and figure out what's uh, causing you to determine that you need a website or an iPad app or, or things of that nature. So we like to identify those pain points that they feel that they've either uncovered themselves and uncover some areas that they may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, we like to look at, well, really not, not necessarily sometimes, but we like to look at both sides, right? Mm -hmm. What are they seeing as far as an organization's concerned, internally or externally, that they feel could be solved with this uh, app or website? And then also, what are their customers saying about mm -hmm. their brand or how they're engaging with that organization? And try to find out a way that uh, we can meet some of their customers' needs. It really is true because, you know, folks, if you're out there and you're listening to this and, you know, depending on who your demographic or target market or whatever it may be is, you know, a lot of our clients, uh, Mike, typically are, you know, 40, 50 plus. We have some younger clients, but obviously mm -hmm. financially we have a minimum. So a lot of times they tend to be a little bit older. And, uh, you know, what we've seen is sometimes this these clients... Uh, maybe they'll use the internet because they have to. Now we're right. seeing more and more that are, you know, as we roll 401ks or people sell a business, mm -hmm. you know, and that sort of thing, and we're helping them with that process. A lot of these people that are in their late 40s, uh, mid late 40s, 50s, 60s, even early 60s, they become more accustomed to technology because they just have to use it. Right. But, you know, sometimes you have folks that are primarily using email mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we could be out there sending messages here, there and everywhere. And it's kind of all for naught, so right. to speak, you know. Right. So, folks, what we're talking about here is reducing anxiety with technology. And the first point that you made is 
identifying the pain points. Right. So whether you're sitting down with someone or whether they themselves sit down mm-hmm. and really kind of sit down and think through yeah. why they're doing what they're doing. I think that's really what you're yeah. saying is think exactly. through why do you do what you do and what's the end result? Exactly. What's the end goal? Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. There? So kind of the old definition of insanity, right, Mike? I mean, keep, <laughs> keep doing the same thing and right. expecting different results. Exactly. And so sometimes folks, if you're out there and you know, you're in a situation where you've utilized technology, you know, I love the quote in the idea, Mike, that says, what got you to where you are today mm-hmm. is not going to be the same thing that gets you to where you want to go in the future, right. right? So we must be willing to adapt. We must be willing to change. You know, I think a lot of times with a lot of companies, mm-hmm. they're in a place where they're just, they're so focused on what they do. Right. You know, they've used the technology, they've used something that's kind of just worked for them over the years that they've said, you know, this has worked mm-hmm. and we're still growing, we're still getting business, whatever. However, if they step back, and helped evaluate maybe having someone like you come in or yeah. you know another company of, of the same that basically says, okay, how can we evaluate this? How can mm-hmm. we look at this? How can we get a, a more perfect approach yeah. in the process to say, okay, what does this look like? How can we simplify? And now maybe what took them, you know, maybe the growth they have could be exponentially right. uh, because of just their stepping yeah. back and sitting. Okay, so that's number one, identifying the prob- problems, pain points, as you call them, frustration mm-hmm. areas, et cetera. And then uh, ideate. Yeah. Help, help us understand, what does that mean? So ideate is a fancy word for just saying, let's have a conversation about mm-hmm. what can we actually do with technology. Mm-hmm. Let's look at how it fits within the organization, how it solves potential problems within the, the organization. Now, you might not find, you might not say, hey, I have a problem. You might say that there's an area to actually enhance or improve productivity. So a good example of this would be, uh, if you have an organization and let's say it's a services organization, right? You provide some sort of a service. Yep. And within that service, there's probably a little, an element of education that you right. provide the clients, right? Now, is there a way we can streamline or automate that process of educating or bringing the clients up to speed with the value of mm-hmm. that service you provide? Mm-hmm. Well, so we would look at either tools that potentially could be created that would streamline that education process mm-hmm. and then allow for the client to get more value out of their product and brand because now they have a full picture of what value your services are providing. Mm-hmm. We, we were noticing uh, accounting firms, for example, are looking into investing in tools that either provide uh, the ability to turn around uh, tax returns in a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, We might find that there are instances of questions that their clients may have on a regular basis that they can go ahead and create a wizard or form that automates those questions and returns those answers mm. uh, in a very, very relatable way. And so, and we're also seeing examples of, say, for example, if you're a coffee shop, right, and you, you, you take orders on a wholesale process, we're finding that they're looking for more ways that they can distribute their products. And so we'll look at, for example, subscription-based services through the internet. It's more than just having a website that's saying, hey, we exist. Now it's creating an avenue for repeat customers to mm-hmm. actually engage with their brand mm-hmm. and utilize their products on a more regular basis. And enhancing the bottom line altogether. Yeah. And again, folks, as you're listening to this, if you have any questions uh, for Mike or just kind of want to join the conversation, feel free to send us a tweet out to at Lean on the Wall. We've been talking about Twitter. It's a great medium to connect and interact, and we'll make sure he gets that question. Again, at Lean on the Wall. And Mike, we talked about then the idea of research. I know mm-hmm. um, you guys go through an extensive amount of research in what you do. Right. Is the research, I'm sure, very different? You know, a lot of times you think technology and the way it's used, regardless of the company, has a lot of similarities. But there's also a lot of differences yeah. company to company, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and what defines some of those differences as you go and do your research? So what we like to understand is, again, how are users interacting with whatever that space that they're focusing on? So we want to understand whether or not the age has to do with their interest level in the product or their ability to understand or comprehend how to use the product. Mm-hmm. We want to understand where the, uh, how the environment in which that product is being used affects their ability to make informed decisions. And so when we go through research, we're looking at industry trends, what's happening in that space, what's being utilized in that space, who are the biggest voices in that space solving that particular problem. We're looking at how users are responding to those solutions that are derived from technology. And we're also looking at opportunities to provide value for that industry. For example, if you're in an industry that doesn't necessarily use technology every day, Mm. uh, you may use email or your iPhone, but you don't really have some sort of technological uh, interface, if you will. We want to find opportunities where technology can automate things that were done in a manual way. So we're really looking when we do research, we're we're speaking to people who've either used products in that space, we're looking for opportunities to expand and really plant roots in technology that's going to remove uh, the need to constantly do a lot of things that were done manually. So you're taking, you're really helping companies go from manual input or manual mm-hmm. time to automation. Right. That's kind of the end. You then yeah. That's the end that's focus. That's very, here. very common. It's, it's almost like it reminds me of, you know, we've heard a lot of the talk of people talking about 15 bucks an hour for minimum wage and all that stuff, which in my opinion is ridiculous because I think, you know, the, the idea of learning, there's a lot of people that are self-made entrepreneurs. They didn't get paid to start their company. No. You know, they were in a situation where they had a lot of trial and error. And because of that trial and error, because of those failures, uh, they were in a situation where they were able to actually master something. Mm-hmm. But the point to that is, you know, a lot of companies are kind of looking into automating even that process. Right. You know, they say, OK, if, they, if this is the route people want to go and pay more for X, Y, Z, then we'll look to how can we automate this mm-hmm. and remove the workforce. Right. Because it's going to be less cost, less maintenance, mm-hmm. less drama, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> less to deal with as right. time moves along. Now, we're coming to the end of the segment, so I don't want to miss the last step, the four steps. But next segment, folks, we're also going to talk about the idea of keys to success in the future with technology. You're not going to want to miss this. It's keys to success. We know technology is going to be around. So what are some things that we can do to implement and some key questions we want to get answered here for enabling you to have the success you want in the future utilizing technology? Hang around. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back right after this. Hey folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. As an active member of Christ Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities. And it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. 
Well, welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. And again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined live in studio today with Mike Gonzalez. Mike is the CEO and founder of Perfect. It's an internet technology company, Perfect HQ, as in headquarters. PerfectHQ.com is where you can find out his story, a little bit about him. He's really got a, a phenomenal story. Again, we talked about the idea that at, as age 16, he was offered a company job, a job really by the name of Apple. Everybody's heard of Apple out there, right? So offered a job from them. Turned it down. He just felt there was a lot of neat things. In fact, Apple even reached back out to them and he turned it down again. And it's been phenomenal how we've been able to see he's worked with lots of folks from all over the world. He has a team of 16 now that is actually located all over the world in 70 regions, 13 countries. Quite a phenomenal story. We're talking about the idea of steps to remove or reduce. <laughs> I don't know if you can fully remove yeah, it, sure. but we at least want to reduce it for sure. Anxiety using technology. And we talked last segment about identify, ideate, research. And this segment, we want to talk a little bit about build and then evaluate. But we also want to jump to a little bit later in this segment, you're not going to want to miss keys to the success or keys to success, I should say, using technology with your future, because that's really what matters. You know, we know that technology is going to be here. It's going to be around. So how do we have success with it? Simplify, make it not overwhelming in this whole process. And I know, Mike, you talked about interacting with companies and one of the things they need to do. And I think the big catch that I got from you initially was just simply the idea of stepping back and evaluating. Right. And I think a lot of companies don't do that. They fly so fast. Mm -hmm. It's next, 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 next. They don't really step back and evaluate what they're doing and why they're doing right. what they're doing. Right. Right. And all that. So we talked about identifying pain points, you know, ideates, really start a conversation, which is you know, what people need to be doing and companies and what they're doing, do a lot of research. And that's really where you guys come in as well right. and walking clients through this whole process, but then also then build and evaluate. So what does that actually mean? I know you have here a little bit as far as build and prototype, test it, whatever. But other than that, what does it mean to build and research for an end user? Yeah. So building and evaluate. So there are, again, instances within our research where we discover i was saying it wrong so there you go you yeah. me. thank you <laughs> but that's why we're doing that's right. why you're here got yeah. the expert in studio but, but so you, you can correct me so that's right. good yeah so but there are instances that we'll find in, in research where there mm -hmm. isn't a solution that's turnkey you might find that you have a unique business unique customer base unique workforce and there are certain things that just need to be done to the process that maybe is unique to you and yeah. why you went into business in the first place mm -hmm. and so in those instances we will actually create an environment where we are thinking about not only what are the possibilities with this new technology solution, but also what can we do in the short term? What are those low-hanging fruit, as we call them, that we can solve by creating something? So within that process, we will help them either form a team of individuals who are constantly thinking about the technology within the organization. Many companies may have a CTO of some sort or a, a chief product director of some sort or program manager. And those individuals are often looking at the technology within the organization, how is it being used, and how can we improve it? And so in many instances, we will either come alongside of them and partner with them and really look at what technology needs to be used, one, and then two, what's that roadmap look like? What's the plan? What can we do in the first 12 months? What can we do in the next 24 months and so forth? And then also, we will help them create it. And by creating it, it's a combination of actually planning and designing mm. and, and coding and, and engineering something that from scratch, really. Mm. So within that, once we create the actual you know, technology with them, we need to evaluate how well is this performing? Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, we're using the latest and greatest technology. We have all the bells and whistles. 
but uh, we may not know exactly how our customers are receiving these changes we've made. And is there a certain time frame, you know, when you build something mm -hmm. out for, you know, so let's say somebody's out there and they're listening to this and they're saying, you know, I know that we need to update what we're doing right. or I'm not happy with what we're doing or I'm having a lot of anxiety <laughs> with what we're currently yeah. doing. But is there a time frame where, you know, realistically, you know, because a lot of people, you know, and I know myself included, a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of ready, fire, aim type people. Right. You know, my wife is very different. <laughs> so it's probably good that she's sure. involved with me in, in our businesses. But, you know, is there a time frame where people typically or companies typically should look at? Obviously, it's probably maybe the, depending on how large mm -hmm. the scale of the project is. But is there a time frame that you really want to have for testing to ensure that you've really vetted the process and you're making sure that it's tested correctly and efficiently for the market before you actually go live? Absolutely. I would say that the six-month window is a great opportunity to really build and test whatever it is that you're getting ready to release into the wild, if, per se. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll find that there are instances where we need to make an upgrade to something that exists. And in those instances, we can have a much more rapid turnaround. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of getting a, a bare-bones example that works to solve the things that came out of uh, the research that we found are great opportunities to uh, simplify and get feedback. So we like to conduct focus groups, mm. get individuals who have either used the product, who have a prior experience, maybe a previous version, and people who have never experienced the, uh, the technology. So. so what we're talking about, folks, here is a lot of times, you know, and again, it's Sometimes you're in a situation where you want to dip your toe into technology and, you know, you've heard the old story or maybe you haven't. I always used to love this quote, you know, Mike, it was the idea that cheap things are seldom good and good things are seldom cheap, you know? Sure. And so you get on the internet or you look at things or you watch commercials today and, you know, there's all these companies out there now where it's kind of a, hey, do it yourself, go mm -hmm. build your own website. And not that you can't do that, but at the end of the day, folks, if you really want to kind of master this game, if you want to be a leader in your field, if you want to interact and connect in such a way where you are leading the charge in your industry in relation to technology, you really need to be looking at hiring someone as your partner. If you don't have an in-house division, maybe even your in-house division hires someone out as a consultant, but you really need to hire someone as your partner that is an expert in the field. We're not talking about just creating a website here so that way somebody can go to you know, xyz.com and see who you are. We're talking about really penetrating the market, increasing sales, and really turnkey simplifying your process and your business in general. I mean, I think that's right. what we're kind of discussing here, right, Mike? Exactly. Yeah. So that's important to know. I want to move to the idea of keys to success in the future. We have just a few minutes left here in the segment. So I want to talk through that a little bit. And again, if at any point in time, if you have questions or if you just want to comment on, you know, anything that's been discussed or anything that we've shared you got a question for Mike specifically about technology or whatever, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at lean on the wall. Again, at lean on the wall, just like you're standing up and you're leaning against the wall, lean on the wall. That's our Twitter handle. If you missed the first couple segments, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to that. You're not going to want to miss it. It's lean on the wall.com. Again, lean on the wall.com. If you want to learn a little bit more about us or learn a bit more about the other segments, Click on the Wealth and Health Show when you're there. Now, Mike, as far as keys to success in the future, you know, technology, as we talked earlier and in previous segments, is always changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a forever ongoing. The amount of knowledge and information that's out there today is unbelievable. Every as far 12 as, to 18 months. It's is that changing. what it is now? Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you just can't keep up with it. So, And that's why you need a partner, by the way, folks out there in this field to kind of help you with that. But 
So here's the first question that I have, and, and we've gotten some different questions from folks that we've interacted with over the years, and I wanted to share these here. First question that's come out is, what are some ways uh, technology is used incorrectly? So I would say uh, probably the number one is having a website that is not necessarily catered to how the business operates. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's one thing to just have a website or it's one thing to just have an app per se, which is very popular now. But if the app isn't necessarily serving a purpose other than saying, hey, look at me, I'm here, it's kind of being used incorrectly. Mm. And so we want to help other individuals understand, hey, how can we get the most out of our investment for the website? How can we get the most out of our apps? And is there a way that, you know, when people are looking to have these things built, are there some questions they should be asking to say, okay, you know, obviously you don't want to just put it out there to put it out there. You want to see you know, metrics and mm-hmm. real results on what you're doing. That's kind of what you're alluding it's, yeah, to. Yeah, it's, it's, for example, if you were to have a website, you know, why do you have a website? Is it, necess- is it a yellow page listing or mm-hmm. is it really a, a tool for your customers to either learn more about what you do, what you provide, or even give them an opportunity to engage with you faster? Mm-hmm. So we want to find a way that anyone who's interacting with, let's say, that, that website, how can they get the most value out of it? How can it be a tool for them so they mm-hmm. can come back and really uh, find it useful? find value in mm-hmm. you and actually do business. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's right. what it's all about, right? Yeah. Okay. Because by the way, folks, if you are a big believer, I'm a fan of this, you know, I'm a fan of Zig Ziglar. And one of the things that his mom, Zig's passed away now, but one of the things his mom used to say is she used to say, listen, if you're in something, get in it. And if you're not in it, get out. I say that because if you really feel and believe and know that you are adding value as we do in the financial field, and and, and I know that you do in the technology mm-hmm. field, if you don't believe that for sure, then you know get out of your industry and find out what you're really good at, right, <laughs> number <right>. one. <laughs> number two, if you do feel that you add value, then you want to make sure that you share that value with anybody you can or folks that you know really need your services. And one of the ways to best do that is by effectively using technology. So here's another question that came in, and that is, uh, how do you see technology, Mike? I mean, obviously, you have a, a lot of expertise in this field. You've had the opportunity to interact and connect and really do work for for a lot of leading brands mm-hmm. today. So how do you see technology changing in the next five years? Uh, technology is going to continue to get smarter and smarter and smarter. So one of the things that people are beginning to look at are ways we can use all of the data, all of the information that is being collected, whether we like it or not, mm. to simplify how we live, how we interact with technology. So things like augmented reality, which is, which is if you think of uh, it's that movie where Tom Cruise is walking through and, and the Minority Report. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's and that was several years ago. Several years ago. That's becoming yeah. a reality now yeah. where we can walk into Times Square and it mm-hmm. knows exactly our, our, our gender and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And it knows how to target advertising to us. So that amazing? technology is getting smarter. And the way it's changing is we're now looking at our data and finding ways we can actually either take a step forward and save that individual time where we would typically ask them questions. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities to really engage if you're in retail or even if you're in the services industry uh, by using a lot of the data that we collect mm. to actually save steps and time for our customers. So technology getting smarter, mm-hmm. saving the end user steps and time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Mike, we're kind of running tight on time here, but it's been a great segment. You know, folks, this is something where, again, not just with technology, because you know we see it so much. We've had a couple shows on different types of technology things, but Mike really is the founder of Perfect HQ, has had really a, a lot of insight to the industry of streamlining technology in general, bringing all these things together for some large brands in the country, in the world, really. 
And so we wanted to have him on and share his thoughts. So, Mike, thanks so much for coming and joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. Maybe at some point in time we'll have you back on talk about how technology has changed. You know? <laughs> Looking forward. <laughs> All those sorts of things. But, folks, again, if you have any questions uh, about the show, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. Again, that's leanonthewall.com. And if you want to reach out and share your thoughts or any additional questions that you had that we didn't get answered, you want to send with the mic. So feel free to send us a tweet at Lean on the Wall. Again, at Lean on the Wall. And until next week, here is to living well and enjoying life. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Information provided during the Wealth and Health Show is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Hey folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. As an active member of Christ Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities. And it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351, 866-943-2351.